Okay, hello, climate change. I believe I'm recording. Yes, I am. Okay. And I'm sitting here with Erica Saunders, and we've just um, done a, an epi- a full episode together. It was awesome. And we still have more to say. So we decided we would add another little, like, extra, like, call this a bonus round. <laughs> <laughs> so if you did not hear the last episode, you might want to go back to that and you learn more about who she is and some of the stuff we've already talked about. So I'll just say that Erica is, I would call you an activist like five-star activist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I mean, you know, you're in the position of working full time, more than full time. And then you're still also making a huge commitment to working on this climate change issue through 350.org and in Massachusetts. So I wanted to ask, and I, and I said, I would ask this, I'll say it again. I wanted to ask you what, where does it come from for you? Like what got you, you know, what connected for you that, that felt like you talked about what, where you figured out how to plug in right. but before that point that this is something I actually have power sure. or yeah. I want to find my power yeah. to yeah. participate in. I think that, um, you know, growing up, I was always, I lived in a beach community, so there was always talk about erosion. So it, mm-hmm. the fact that the world has been changing from an environmental perspective has just sort of, I've always been very, aware of that Mm -hmm. you did your bit we always recycled we always did all of that so that's totally common in my in my lifestyle Mm -hmm. um five years ago we so I I got married five years ago and unlike a lot of people we knew we were like let's go to Alaska (laughs) you know because we're never going to get a chance to do this again and how cool would that be (laughs) like to go to Alaska for like a week in July yeah all right so we went and it was amazing and it was amazing in the way I was, I was just, my mother and I took a, a trip to Italy together and we stood in the Sistine Chapel and she was just overcome with emotion at the beauty of this. And it was absolutely, I mean, it was breathtaking. It's amazing when you see it. And like, she just was, she was in tears at one point. I mean, it was just so moving for her and I loved it, but I was like, I loved it. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't feel that emotional yeah. connection. And we're in Alaska and we hike down to the edge of one of the glaciers and I am in like full on sobs and tears because there's nothing at all more beautiful than seeing even like the silt and the water and and the the blue of the ice and just understanding how very small we are in this Mm -hmm. world and that one piece Mm -hmm. and it was just unbelievable and we're we're hiking back and we met this guy along and he's like you know I did the same exact tour five years ago and he was like, and within those five years, it's receded two miles. Wow. And yeah, that wow. And that's five years ago. Yeah. yeah. And so now it's been 10 years. Right. And it's just like knowing that that amount of change and what beauty is gone. And then you start to think like, no one's going to see this moment again. Right. Like no one will capture this unbelievable amount of just art and beautiful and what nature has provided for us where mm-hmm. the Sistine Chapel will be there. You'll be able to visit. My nieces and nephews will go in 20 years and it will be as absolutely gorgeous and beautiful as, as it is today, hopefully. Yeah. But they won't be able to hike down to that glacier. And instead of seeing what might be a new set of ice or a new set of beauty or a new set of, of nature, it might just be gone. Right. And to me, that's just so devastating. Right. I mean, how do we miss out on that part of the world? And so then... I came home and I was like, I still could I was thinking about it and reading articles and trying to figure out like, you know, what is happening around this? Cause 
you always heard of things. I mean, I, well, at least I did. I knew who Earth First was. I knew who, you know, um, a lot of the sort of, I guess they would call them fringe, but I don't think they were really mm-hmm. fringe, but activist groups. And I would, I grew up in the, like I came to teenagehood and adulthood in the nineties. So I was very familiar with a lot of anarchist movements and, mm-hmm. you know, and that though I, I understood their power wasn't a direction that I would want to go in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed to do something. Yeah. And so I started to look and started to read articles. And once you start, I feel like it's like, you just can't stop. You're like, well, and everything offered you something different. Well, then there's this. And, and that's when I sort of stumbled on to Bill McKibben and his writings and, and came and for a while I was really, gr- I was so good at like online petitions. I was mm-hmm. really great at it. And I had convinced myself that that was going to be all I could do because we were driving. I was commuting with my husband for two plus hours, sometimes wow. four hours a day. Um, and that's like one out, one and a half hours, one way, one and a half. So I was like, well, there's no possible way between that and a full day of work that I could commit myself to anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And then if right. there's a rally, I'll show up for a rally. Maybe, but I'll sign online petitions left and right and get on all the email lists and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was on the 350 email list and an email came out and said, you know, we're doing this vigil. It was during the last, was it the last presidential election? Maybe the one right before. And it was a vigil to asking that we have climate or the environment be part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. And so we were holding a vigil for the climate and they were holding it on, city hall so right on the um in boston there's like a city hall plaza it's this like wasteland and so they were everybody was spending the night it might have actually been the governor's like it doesn't matter which election but it mm-hmm. was it was something and so i was like well i'll go i'll go sit there for two hours what, what could it hurt so i was like i'll be there by five o'clock on a saturday morning and i'll sit for two hours and that's when i met people from 350 massachusetts and i met um, people from Better Future Project and started to talk to them and, and they plugged me in and I still went home and I really didn't do anything. And then one day I got this email that said, they're starting a 350 Massachusetts group in Worcester. The first meeting is next Wednesday. And I was like, well, it can't hurt, but I'm not going to like commit to anything. And I was sold immediately. <laughs> and it was just like, because it was like, do what you can. There was no expectation that you'd be able to organize anything. It was like, you know, here's a campaign we believe in. Can you work on it? And I was like, I can do what you need me to. And it was all uphill from there. <laughs> and that's how it, that's how it all started. And that was two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have been pretty much to every meeting twice a month. And it's, you know, two hours every other week basically. And that's fine. That's two hours. I mean, it's a movie. So yeah. what else, you know, it, it, it felt good and it, going to rallies and, and being a part and your community grows. So now there are these friends and these acquaintances and these people who I admire people who I aspire to be like, mm-hmm. who I just trust to help guide me along this way. Or if I'm unsure, like, you know, make this quick phone call to this person, they'll be able to like clear everything up. And it's amazing. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, and, and knowing that if one of us were to be jailed or, you know, or, you know, on a list or something that there's a rally call that goes out and so many of us would be there right. as part of that community. And it's amazing. So it sounds like, you, I mean, you basically found a huge support system around something you're passionate about. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean, 
I feel like it's more than just a support system. They're just, it's a knowledge base. It's, mm. you know, people who offer training, people who, you know, I've, the, the most amazing people that I've met who have this wonderful, huge, long history in the movement. And, mm -hmm. you know, at the same point when they know you're being discouraged, will shoot you off a poem that just is like, mm. yep, that's exactly what I needed today. And like, you're brought right back. Or if you, if you know, they're, you know, if you're working with your group and you realize, you know, one member who's shown up so frequently is all of a sudden, you know, not, you're like, you know, come back or don't, or what do you need to get? Like, motivated or do you not want to be and it's it's good to have that out there and be a part of it and I don't know it's just it's really it is it's community and that's I'm sure every I would hope that every sort of activist group out there has that sense of community mm -hmm. too because if you don't it, it, it's going to become even more overwhelming and more daunting because there's no possible way that one person can make a change but I feel empowered like we're going to do it because I know where we are yeah. like, cause I've got, you know, 20 people who show up every other week that are saying, yep, we're going to make change. So, yeah. you know, uh, we, we were joking. So we did have this, this justice conversation at our meeting last week. And, uh, I jokingly, I was like, in my head, I keep calling this like the justice league. Like, mm -hmm. you know, let's talk about how in our local groups, how do we bring people together? Let's, and, and one of the guys in our group, he like looked over me and he was like, do I get to wear a cape for this? And I was like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And only if I get to bedazzle it. And he was like, of course. <laughs> and it's like, there has to be comedy. There has yeah. to be, you have to be able to laugh. You have to be able to know when it, it right. needs to be serious. And, you know, it's 10 years, it's 10 years since Katrina occurred. Mm -hmm. And so, um, next Saturday, um, all across the United States, there's all kinds of things that are being planned. And in, in Boston, we're, we're doing a vigil. Um, and we're actually holding that vigil at the Islamic Cultural Center. And that, in and of itself, matters. First of all, the building is just beautiful. It's mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. But the fact that, that we were able to make a connection there and be able to hold a vigil about something that's so important. And, and it's, it's to sort of get us all together and say, you know, here was this natural disaster that impacted a group of people so badly that it really wasn't the natural disaster, but it was the man-made disaster, maybe lack of preparedness mm -hmm. that we just, we ruined an entire like citizenship. And right. that's, that's not okay. And 10 right. years later, you know, it, it, we're not forgetting that. We're not forgetting these people. We're not forgetting their homes were destroyed. Right. Their communities were destroyed. You and know? this is and this is a really direct tie into, we were talking about how to connect Black Lives Matter to, to, to the environment <laughs> like this. Like, um... Katrina, you know, that's all you need to say. Yeah, but really. You, you could say a lot of things. Bangladesh, you could say a lot of things well, around the world. Yeah, well, anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about in Baltimore would be just completely disappeared as sea, as sea levels rise. Right. You know, Bridgeport here in Connecticut. Right. I mean, these are the our, and that's not even about, you know, sort of like the, the racial side of it, but your economic justice, you know, your economic groups, your lowest socioeconomic groups are the ones that are, have higher asthma rates. They're the ones that have right. poor food justice. They're the ones that are going to suffer because they're kept in areas where the sea level is at the lowest. And once the sea level starts to right. rise, where, where do we, we're going to have climate refugees and where do we, where is everybody going to go? Right. Because the climate, 
doesn't care. So, yeah. so a couple thoughts. One is yep. okay. So we've kind of co- gone away from the emotional journey part of it, which oh, I yeah. was really into. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm also into this. So I want to just keep like keep track of both threads and then bring them sure, together. Sure. So the so the one thing I want to say is like so the food, you know, you skimmed over food just as, and we've talked about it in the last yep. our last yep. podcast together. But um, but I think it's worth just being clear about what that means. Like so so mm-hmm. one thing that means is that. In economically depressed areas, there is no grocery store. Right, right. And <laughs> when there's a dollar store and you can or, buy crap, uh, a bodega yeah. or right. somewhere where you know um, where you're gonna get. I don't know. When I was a kid, they, we called them chubs. They were like these colored drinks that were nothing but sugar water, oh, basically. Yeah. That they were like, like a color. Color was yeah. like bright orange. Right. You know, that's not acceptable. Right. And um, what we do, I don't know about here, but in, in Massachusetts, almost all farmers markets now take EBT cards. Uh, yeah, they do here too. Do they here? And um, where I, I was working at a community health center in the community we were working in had a local sort of co-op farm. So mm-hmm. it was it was for the city. So, so people, they call it SNAP here. Okay, it's, yeah. So it's the same thing, but it's basically food stamps. Food stamps, yeah. yeah. Um, and what this place did is they took, came to us and said, you know, for your patients, we're going to give you $5 vouchers mm-hmm. for the farmer's market. So they come with this $5 oh, voucher nice. and they can get a bag oh, worth of $5 worth of, for nothing. That's great. Because and they've got this, this is, voucher. And this is at the, um, the community health center where you work. Where I work. Yeah. And the line to get that was around the corner. Oh, wow. Because you're talking about people too, who are new to this country, who are used to having really outside their door, a lot of the fruits and vegetables. Right. Because, you have a community garden. The community garden is being tilled and cared for by people in the community. Mm-hmm. They're going to grow what they know. Yeah. And now you've fed your community with what their bodies are used to. Right. You know, and they're not yeah. going to get that at the supermarket or at mm. the, at the if they have it, at the convenience store that's down right. the street, right. you know. Right. Um, so we can do that. But not if we're living in cities where having an urban garden is a violation of yeah. some ridiculous old law that shouldn't even be in its mm-hmm. place. I mean... If, if somebody says, look, I have this patch of grass, I'm going to put a raised bed garden on here and I'm going to grow lettuce, you shouldn't give them a citation for that. You should applaud them for yeah. saying, I'm going to use this for something that's worth. And a lot of our cities do that to people. And, and it's also, you're talking about a cultural change. Some people, this is all they know is to take that little piece that they have and grow what they can. And it's all they have control over. Right. And then you slap them with a citation. I mean... That's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, um, innovative and it seems very, very common sense, but innovative legislation happening around food. Like, uh, in Austin, Texas there, I believe I'm right about this. It's Austin and maybe other places as well. They're making it illegal for food, um, providers to throw away edible produce, mm-hmm. edible food. Basically, mm-hmm. they need to give it to the soup kitchens mm-hmm. because there's such a need. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. it's like oh, it's a no brainer, of course, yeah. of yeah. course. The um, founder of Trader Joe's just opened up a store in Brookline, Mass. Mm-hmm. I think it's Brookline, where he all of the sort of tossed out groceries. He's actually bringing into the store and selling at a hugely discounted price. Right. So you're talking about day old bread, right. day old bread. I grew up eating day-old bread, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. you know, whatever, it's a day-old, but all kinds of stuff, yeah. yogurts and eggs and things like mm-hmm. that at such a discounted yeah. price that that anybody can walk in right. there and afford and anybody can walk in, yeah. and that's the, the key, too, yeah. is that it's in a location where people can get to it. Right. 
you know? So yeah. earlier you said something, and I'm going to s- switch tracks back to, sure. to, cause I was asking you, the reason I was asking you about your sort of what got you to be this, um, I think it's not just about being passionate about it, but being able to hold on to it and mm-hmm. not get overwhelmed. And you said something to me earlier that we didn't get to record about a cycle that, that you go through. Right? Oh yeah. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So I was referring to this comic that I have where, um, it's like an activist cycle where you start off and you're like really excited and you're, you're going to make a change. And then, you know, about midway through you're kind of excited, but you're overwhelmed. And then by the end, you're just totally and completely overwhelmed and you're ready to throw up your hands. And then the cycle repeats. And I think it's important to accept that that is going to be a cycle. If you feel overwhelmed, you're not alone. There's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who feel overwhelmed. Um, and the key is to find that one person who today isn't mm. and to ask them, ask them why they're passionate about this. Mm. You know, I like to start meetings every once in a while with, you know, introducing yourself, even if it's just to people who you know really well or have met for, or, for a few years and just say, I'm in the climate crisis fight because. Mm. And then you say it and you just talk about it. And you could just repeat that sentence over and over again. And it's really great. It's a good practice for me to have, mm-hmm. for for someone as an individual to have. And also to recognize it's okay for you to say, today it's too much. Mm-hmm. You know, today it's too much. I'm not going to read my Facebook account. I'm not going to go onto Grist and find out that the world is coming to an end today. I'm good. <laughs> I'm all set. I'm not going to put the news on. But yeah. you know what? Tomorrow I will. I'll catch up on everything I missed yeah. today or maybe tomorrow I won't. And right. maybe I'll just rely on the fact that I have friends who will say to me, you need to know this and, you know, or taking a week off and going away and being like, I don't have access to a phone for an entire week. That's okay. That's okay to do in our regular right. lives. So as an activist, it's okay for you to be like, today is not right. a day I want to talk about it. No, I love you know? the idea. I love the image of it being a repeating cycle yeah. and that you do get to a place where you need to re like re I don't know refresh rejuvenate mm-hmm. re mm-hmm. like revitalize yeah. take care of yourself yeah because yeah. you're trying to take care of this huge issue you're trying to take care of the world for yourself to make the world better for you but yeah oh but, yeah but also it's a huge project oh it <laughs> and, is yeah. and you have to have a recovery day like just as an athlete yeah. like a, you know yeah. that's the same thing you can work hard and feel great and great and great and you'll have all and then all of a sudden you start to feel Hey, this is feeling hard. What's happening? I thought yeah. I was in great shape. Yeah. It's like because you need a recovery day. Yeah. You need a day to put your feet up and sleep, yeah. take a nap, and you know that's yeah. that's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, I'm a firm believer um, that we have like a fundamental misunderstanding of emotions, and and that is that emotions are the the under, misunderstanding is that emotions are the problem you know, if you're feeling bad mm-hmm. and my feeling is that like, if you're, if you're crying or if you're, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're raging or if you're like shaking in with fear that the, that, that, that those expressions are a sign that something's off. Like we try to come get a baby to stop crying. Right. You yeah. know, you, you want to figure out why they're crying. Yeah. If you can, if they need food and address those needs. Right. But sometimes this, um, so my, my feeling is that we express our emotions to heal from a hurt. Mm-hmm. And so like my, my cycle may be like the way I would kind of think it through or have been, I haven't really thought of it as a cycle, but that helps a lot. Yeah. But what I see is like 
the cup gets full, <laughs> I start to feel overwhelmed. I feel discouraged. And I, I have to go like find somebody to cry with for a while. Oh yeah. And yeah. then I can listen to other people's discouragement yeah. again yeah. and start to try to like be a mirror for it in a way where I'm saying, maybe it makes sense to feel those feelings and then still take, keep making moves in the direction of, of yeah. improvement, improving yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. It's so important. It's important to you to realize we're all human. Yeah. You know, I we can't be, you know, go, go, go all the time right. with any aspect of our life. That part of the problem that, of the climate crisis is that we've been so right. just, this is great. We're just going to keep going, going, going that we haven't stopped to yeah. ask ourselves, what is the impact on us? So when you, when you're like excited and you're going through it and then all of a sudden, so you need to stop and yeah. it's okay to look at your group and go, you know what? Next week, let's meet for beers and see what happens. <laughs> or let's go for dinner instead of coming here and meeting together because the best ideas, the best encouragement is going to come out of that. Oh, we're in a casual place. We can relax for a second. Right. You know, I think people always laugh. They, they think that like climate activists, all we ever do is sit around and talk about the climate yeah, and you're always stuffing envelopes right or or, or encouraging to sign a petition <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly but we picketing we we yeah. love yeah. everything else i mean mm. we're just like everybody yeah. else yeah. it's just that this was our piece you know right. and every once in a while i like to watch television and not have it be about the climate or news you know perfect yeah Awesome. So thank you so much. Oh, I didn't you. even get to say like the big thank you in the last episode because we were going <laughs> to immediately record more. But thank you. It's been really thank awesome you. talking to you. You too, Amy. Thank you. Let's do it again. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good. For sure. Okay. Um, hellocc.info is the website for this um, podcast. And if you really want, here's something you can do. If you want someone to hand you something you can do, if you think these conversations are valuable and useful, rate or um, write a comment thing, whatever you call it. See, I'm not a pro at this, um, on iTunes, because if people mm -hmm. rate and comment on iTunes, then other people can find it makes it easier for others to find this. So that would be wonderful. I would appreciate it and it would encourage me to keep going. So thanks for listening. And thanks again, Erica. Yeah. Bye. Bye.